when we talk about hybrid in, in almost the simplest terms, it's we have a traditional live experience. That's what happens on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 across all the campuses. And then there's the digital audience, the digital experience. And those are folks that are um, uh, engaging in a weekly church experience, but they might be doing it on different days and times of the week uh, in, in different locations and individually in small groups in their home, that type of thing. And how do we both serve that audience and then increasingly create a hybrid experience where people are actually moving between the two? This is the Church Report Podcast, exploring challenges the church faces around the world. Brought to you by the Rogo Foundation. Now, here's Scott Camden. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to the Church Report Podcast. My name is Scott Camden, Advancement Director with the Rogo Foundation and Sandals Church. And today I'm joined by one of our executives, Brian Chalette. And we're going to spend, I don't know how long we're going to talk, but we'll talk as long as we want, as long as you want to listen, and we'll go from there. So Brian, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here uh, once again. I think this is number two for us. Yes, yes, it is. That's great. Yeah. So thanks again. I'm I'm surprised you came back. (laughs) Thank You (laughs) You were nice enough to me the first time. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, um, I I thought today, you know, we're going to tackle a question that that I and a number of our team here at the Rogo Foundation in Sandals Church um, that we get asked a lot. And we get asked about the sustainability of the church merging model that we're currently engaged in. You know, it often is as we're talking about what it looks like after we uh, merge with the church, adopt a church, whatever language you, you want to use there. We uh, re- revitalize that property, bring it up to scratch, so to speak, and then we relaunch it as a Sandals Church location. When they learn what that looks like, that it's that question, well, how long do you think you're going to be able to, to engage in that model and how long is that going to be successful? And so I'll ask you that. How sustainable is our model? Well, yeah, it's a, it is a great question. It's a question we get a lot. And I would say um, as much as I love the church merger model, I mean, I believe it's an incredible model in terms of generating uh, generational wealth in the church, just from a financial perspective, the value of the model uh, relative to the cost of building buildings and how do we keep assets in the kingdom and all of those types of things. I believe it's an incredibly valuable model, but here's the truth. We are not here to sustain a model. We're here to sustain a mission. And our model serves our mission. And we have a mission as a church. We have a mission as the big C church. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have found in the last handful of years that the church merger model has served that mission very well. But we are not here to sustain that model. Right. Um, We're here to sustain a mission. Uh, Just like the generation before us and before them, they were maybe in a church building model. That allows us to now be in a church merging and revitalization model. Um, And so as long as that model continues to serve our mission, we'll continue to sustain the model. But our our purpose is around the mission and not the model. And the mission is? The mission is to reach as many people as, as possible with the vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. That's our mission at Sandals Church. Um, and our, our model of mergers serves that mission. Um, and I was actually, interestingly enough, um, just this morning talking with our executive pastor around how our model has um, kind of evolved over the years as we grow and pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, early in the life of Sandals Church, we were a, a nomadic rental church. We rented property <laughs> wherever we could. Um, and then at a point, we got our, quote, main campus. Yeah. 
So then we were almost a main campus centric church. Like that was our model was building the main campus. Um, and then some numbers of years back, we did our first satellite and then we did our first merger and we began to see how becoming a merger centric church would, as our model would support our mission, yes, even better than it being a single large campus uh, oriented church. Yeah. So we pivoted and then our model was mergers and revitalization. And it has been that. Yeah. Um, and over the last couple of years, we've begun to watch how um, hybrid church is um, is growing in the, the way that it supports our mission. And so we're thinking a lot about how do we blend the merger model with investments in digital and technology and online church yeah. in order to drive towards a hybrid model. And that's, again, how our model is evolving and changing, um, but in all cases meant to support the mission. And just for the benefit of those who are listening, uh, w- would you provide your definition when you say a hybrid church or hybrid church model so that they're clearly tracking with with this uh, evolving model that's presented? Sure. When we talk about hybrid in, in almost the simplest terms, it's, yeah. we have a traditional live experience. Yep. That's what happens on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 across all the campuses. And then there's the digital audience, the digital experience. And those are folks that are um, uh, engaging in a weekly church experience, but they might be doing it on different days and times of the week uh, in, in different locations and individually in small groups in their home, that type of thing. And how do we both serve that audience and then increasingly create a hybrid experience where people are actually moving between the two? Yeah. Um, there's people who are spending a lot of time in a live environment. I firmly believe that the live environment church will live forever. There are incredible things that we get together to yes. do as the body of Christ in the church, in buildings together. Yes. But then there are also things that now with new communication methods and techniques and technologies that people do in a digital space. Yes. And we're, we're looking to blend those. Um, and that's what we, we, we mean when we talk about a hybrid church model. Great. You know, go, going back to, you know, the, the current model that we were engaged in and really we've been engaged in, um, I would say primarily since 2015, since the very first church right. merger when uh, Amethyst out in Mentone reached out to us. Um, the reason that we continue to press forward with the current model that we're engaged in is because of the, the wild success that we've seen with this model. I mean, to know that it, what we're on uh, revitalization number 10, I think at this point now of a, a physical yeah. campus. And after crunching the numbers of people much smarter than me who can actually look at all of our trends because we record all of this data, knowing that after three months from launching these locations, on average, those campuses grow by over 870%, uh, which is wild. You know, a campus is going from... 12 or 30 or 40 on average a weekend to after three months from the date that they launched, there are over 600. Some are over 800 and they're going from one service with no kids ministry and no youth ministry and no young families to three and four services and a a bursting at the seams children's ministry and there's young adults and there's high school students and you get some of the remaining uh, members from the former church who have chosen to stay around, who get teary-eyed yep. or months coming onto campus 
because they'd been praying for young families and little feet running around the campus. And now the kids ministry is back open and they can go and volunteer and hold babies and, you know, while kids ministry is happening while the parents are in church. Uh, so it's a beautiful thing. I know some of the other stats uh, that we have uh, that we've developed over the last couple of years is because we do annual surveys, we learned that uh, roughly 50% of a campus's attendees after a year are, identify. Are new. Yeah, they're new. That They were not in local fellowship in the previous five years. So we're not seeing transfer growth from one of our larger campuses by that new campus or transfer growth from another church coming over, you know, church hopping. Rather, we're staying true to the mission of reaching people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, inviting them in. They're choosing to stay. They're coming to faith. They're being baptized, and they're following our growth path and growing in their relationship with Christ and their ability to live out the vision of being real, the vision of Sandals Church. Um, additionally, that a, a campus, on average, becomes self-sufficient, uh, is able to cover off operating after about 12 months. And so the, the success of this model shows that we should keep leaning into this model, not ignoring any other opportunities, just like you mentioned, the hybrid model starting to, to uh, develop. Sure. Yeah. And I think so much of what you just said points to the model is continuing to serve the mission. And, th and that is the key. I think the distinction is that we are not looking for the sustainability of the model for the model itself. Yeah, that's good. But as long as it continues to serve the mission, that's what we want to sustain. Right. And I think even as you press into new opportunity, I mean, folks are 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 facing so much of what do we do coming out of COVID and mm -hmm. and how COVID has, I would say, um, accelerated in some pretty important ways, some cultural shifts that we've been um, maybe experiencing even before COVID. It's kind of accelerated some of those things. Um, as well as digital adoption, kind of this forced digital adoption. And, and there's a bit of like, how do we respond to that as a church? Um, and our mission doesn't change. Again, that's the sustainable part. But we do adjust our model accordingly. And what we're seeing, um, at least what we're seeing, is there's a real need to um, continue to press into the church merger, merger model because it continues to serve the mission well. And we bring to that this notion of hybrid and how do we begin, begin adding that experience to our model, um, again, in service of the mission. Um, and as long as that continues to drive service to the mission well, then we'll continue to do it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I wouldn't say I think, I, uh, we're, we're pretty confident that the gathered church will continue. Right. You know? Right. Um, and that's all the more reason to say, um, what's the wisest way, what's the best model to continue providing places for the gathered church to meet? And for us, it continues to be the merger model Yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the numbers guy. So I naturally just love the financial model of it. Um, thank God for people like you. Generational wealth is not lost when we are able to merge a church. Right. Um, we keep that and, and we're able to do things quite honestly, we otherwise would not be able to do. If we had to put a $10 million building into every location that we have, we just would not be able to do it. No. And then why would we, mm -hmm. if there's a building up the street that we can merge in, revitalize and reach that community? Why would we, you know, as a believer, as a Christ follower, and as somebody who strives to grow my understanding of scripture, um, and, and apply those the, the truths of scripture to my life and how I live out my life. Um, 
you see all throughout God's word, this, this, um, this call, arguably a challenge to steward well the time, the talent, and the treasure that we have. And I love that the model that we're, we're called to, that we're engaging in right now, it is tied directly to that right stewardship. There are all of these kingdom assets across our nation um, that some are, are beginning to move to a state of disrepair um, or, or are in a state of disrepair, or they're still in great shape, but the, the remnant that's still there can see that for a number of reasons, they're not going to be able to continue on. And they haven't prepared for that. So now they're questioning what to do. And they're feeling that that burden, that weight of, are we stewarding well what we have? Mm-hmm. And I love that our model allows us or, or maybe another organization doing what we're doing. And, and sadly, we know that there's not very many across the United States doing this. But it allows them to consider one way to take a very clear step uh, in the direction of stewarding well what they have by choosing to merge with somebody who clearly has momentum, whose God hand is God's hand is clearly on blessing their efforts. They have a proven track record of being able to do this. And this church remnant that's there, that's wrestling with right stewardship of the asset can say, Hey, maybe these guys can be the partner to help us continue on. Yeah. And you know, that reminds me of another part of literally what the Rogo foundation does, which is training leaders. Yes. Um, we're heavily involved in training leaders, um, both in the Rogo Foundation and at Sandals Church with our next gen um, training programs and development programs. And I'm not lying to you, Scott. I did have that conversation this morning with our executive pastor about models. Yeah. I was also looking this morning at some stats that yeah. you might find are pretty interesting. Okay. Um, it was talking about how. Um, Wealth flows from generation to generation. Okay. And some of the stats were that um, family wealth, 70% of family wealth is typically gone by the second generation and 90% by the third generation. And then if you look at family businesses, typically 40% make a successful transition to the second generation, only 13% to the third and 2%. I'm sorry, 3% to the fourth. Hmm. What that tells us is that in that environment, the following generations are not being developed in the notion of stewardship. Yeah. And that's why it's so important what the foundation is doing around training leaders and training um, next generation uh, leaders at Sandals Church, because um, not only is the stewardship of that generation that you're talking about that's holding that kingdom asset important, but the stewardship of the generation that's receiving it is important. Absolutely. Because we can very quickly in a generation or two um, run right through those kingdom assets if we're not developing those generations. Um, I thought it was fascinating this morning as I was reading through that and making the parallel between um, that family wealth uh, transition and kind of the notion of the family of God and the wealth of the kingdom mm-hmm. um, and the tie into the work to develop the next generation, to train those leaders so that as we are executing this merger model, we've got stewardship in the generation that's leaving. Yes. Handing to stewardship in the generation we're bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Believe it or not, I was actually <laughs> reading those stats this morning too. I love it. I love it. It, it, it is, um, you know, there, there's the ability to have a level of confidence and peace in what's to come, e- even when you know that you, you more than likely are not going to be around to see it if you've done the work on the front end to prepare for that. Hence, investing in developing the next generation, creating that culture of, of um, understanding the burden of right stewardship and having the, the head knowledge and, and the, 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 the heart desire to execute on that for however many days God gives us to. Sure. So that that's one of the components in us hopefully getting to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome in. You know, yeah, it's, it's exciting to watch yeah, this happen. Helping something live beyond us. And it's, it is very complimentary, the idea of revitalization and training the leaders. Because what are we revitalizing, revitalizing it for? You and me? No, we're, we'll be gone. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I've, I've begun saying recently is in, in all, the way that, all the ways that matter, uh, Sandals Church is al- already belongs to the next generation. Yeah. We're just here helping it get there. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the revitalization model um, and the way that we're developing leaders through the Rogo Foundation um, serves the mission in a, in a powerful way and a very complimentary way. Yeah. And I think to, you know, the, the idea of what is your legacy, you know, and, and, you know, what, what are people going to say of me, you know, Bob Saget just this week, Mm -hmm. you know, passed into eternity. I I don't know where he ended up. I don't know what his experience is right now. Um, Prayerfully he's with our Lord and savior. Again, I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Don't know. Don't care to, speculate to that but looking at that i you know you, you have to wonder what was he was he ready financially had he put things in place that that when he his ticket is punched his affairs are in order there's not this oh no moment where the family is, is in crisis because he did not prepare at all and i think it's such a blessing and i know that there are other churches out there but sadly i think it's the minority of churches that their leadership teams now are doing the work to prepare for transition whenever it comes. But they're thinking about this. They're putting, they're putting processes in place. They're developing people who are ready to step in at a moment's notice, who aren't sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, waiting to step in, but rather they're already being brought up and they're already being involved in the operation of the church so that whenever that transitional time comes, it's not like, oh, and now I step in and actually get my feet wet. No, they've already been in the pool. As a matter of fact, they're they've been in the deep end for a while and, and they're they're just ready to more formally take that position as the other person is now no, no longer there to lead alongside with them. So I love I love seeing that executed here. I know that some are doing it, probably not very many. Sure. And I gotta say, um, it's also a heck of a lot of fun. Um, as you've uh maybe you get into kind of the the last third of your uh, career, maybe your your vocational ministry, and maybe you're looking for some inspiration, um, maybe some fresh energy, yeah, th- that kind of thing. Um, I would encourage you grab some young people and start coaching and mentoring them because it's a heck of a lot of fun. That's good. Um, not only is it good for the kingdom, but I've uh, and I was just e- e- even having this fun conversation with someone else a, a few days ago. Oh, no. it was not this morning. No, we can't go three for three on that. Um, no, a few days ago though, but just the idea that it's very inspiring and fun to spend time with uh, young people as they are they're coming up and they're learning and 
and you get to give them room and space to try things and yes. experiment. Um, you get to play that role of coach with folks. Um, and you get to see just the amazing thing that, that God is doing with them through them. You get to discover what he has next cause he's doing it through them. Yeah. Um, and you get to, you get to kind of watch it happen and unfold. Um, so I would just say it's a heck of a lot of fun too. So if you're wondering where can I find some inspiration yeah. in the next leg of the journey, or maybe even some hope in a time, I mean, the last couple of years have been pretty brutal. Yes. If you're looking for some hope, some inspiration, something fun, um, maybe lean into some young people that are around you. Um, and we've found, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Vivi says, she, she talks a lot about just proximity. She's one of our young leaders, talks a lot about just, uh, enjoying proximity to senior leaders, hmm. um, get around them. Cause they, they, they're interested in too. You may think the young people don't want to hear from the old folks, but they do. And I think for, you know, again, for the benefit of those who are listening, they, they don't know who Vivi is. They don't know her role here. So maybe just a, a real quick, who is Vivi? Um, and what does she do at Sandals church? And what did you guys see in her that caused you to invite her into this space very intentionally? Yeah, she, she just actually in the last couple of weeks, uh, beginning of this year, um, stepped into a new role uh, leading our next gen ministry. So we've put together a team around that. Um, and some of those folks came out of a um, training and development program that we have for um, for younger leaders that we see the potential, particularly for senior leadership, for executive leadership. Yeah. In the future, we've identified some of those folks and we've put them through a program over the last handful of months. And she's coming out of that program yeah. and, and stepping into a new role now, um, leading our next gen ministry and, yeah. and we'll begin figuring out what that's going to be. And it's right. exciting to do that. Yeah. And to see her, you know, originally come to Sandals church to explore what the vision of being real is to, you know, to be an attendee. And then to start to volunteer, start to serve, become known, end up coming on staff, serving with our our youth, our junior high, high school, mm -hmm. now moving into young adults and and you guys and, and many others seeing really a true calling on her life, but no no experience to draw from and nobody's invested in her, discipled her, mentored her um, un until she got here and the leadership seeing that and then pulling her in and investing. It's funny. It makes me think of um, uh, mature Christians won't say older, but I'll, I'll say older in their faith when they get around new believers who just learned what salvation is and what Christ has done for them, how excited and on fire yeah. and evangelistically minded they are and how that is, is so inspirational and, and sometimes uh, convicting and motivating for the believer who's maybe got a ton of head and heart knowledge, but hasn't been out engaging with and sharing it with others, that new believer spurs them on to get out and go do those things and breathe new life into them. The same is true with this model that we have of investing in the next generation and developing that and how that inspires and, and fuels our leadership as well. Yeah. And it, it's a recognize, some recognition that when you're uh, younger, you might have some of that energy excitement. You also very much understand the context that we're now working in, in the area where we want to reach people, young people. Yeah. Um, when you get to kind of my age and stage, the, the reality is I have a lot more experience and exposure, but I no longer understand the context. Yeah. And so if you can uh, merge those things together, uh, you can actually ha have a pretty powerful effort towards continuing 
to reach and for us really making a generational transition. Yeah. So we, we've obviously been talking about the, the, the people side of it and developing that next generation of, of local church leaders, you know, actively engaged in that ongoing all year long. Yep. We, we've got things going to ensure that we have a deep bench of well-prepared called leaders uh, for, for local churches. So as opportunities are presented uh, to Sandals Church and the Rogo Foundation to consider a potential merger, uh, we, we know very quickly that, that we already have the team potentially to to launch one of those locations. It's not like, oh, we have an opportunity. What do we do? <laughs> what do we do from here? Right, right. right. We, we've got those people who are, who are prepared, who are ready to be sent. Um, and we know that this is the model that God is blessing and has called us to right now. Um, around the idea of the sustainability, in, in, you know, the reality is we, we don't necessarily see potentially ever getting away from this model. What would you say to somebody that might have the question of, do, do you test, other, are you testing other ways to go about things? Would you, would you try to ever develop a new different model or do you more wait for something to present itself and then you start to lean into that? Is that a fair question? I, I would say we do both. I think, we, I mean, we've definitely learned that um, mer mergers are uh, as much pursued as they are opportunities as they present. You mentioned amethyst, like a phone call comes into the right. front desk that even speaks to kind of, I'll say readiness, having leaders ready. Yeah. Because we don't know when they're going to call sometimes. Right. And sometimes we need to move pretty quickly because they're, they're kind of in a pretty maybe tough spot. Um, so yes, there's a part of it that, that we want to seek opportunities. There's a part of it that we are opportunistic around opportunities that present, but I would say we also do experiment with other things to your question. Um, examples there might be, Hey, we want to try a location in this community center, or we want to try a location in this school over here. Um, we want to learn something about what it means to move further and further out geographically. Um, we want to try, um, house church models and see how those might, uh, emerge into regional groups or even eventually, uh, actual satellite locations over time. So we experiment with all kinds of things. Um, and we are trying to figure out wh where does the model need to ebb and flow and move and adjust a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would say we, we, we experiment with lots of other things, not only kind of the, um, church merger model, right. As a, as a, a one way of accomplishing the mission. Let me ask, uh, around the fact that all of our campuses are in California, all of our physical campuses, you know, we do have our Sandals Church, uh, uh, Sandals Church Anywhere initiative. And right. so we've got locations outside of California and outside of the United States. Um, sure. but that's different staying true to the merger effort that we've been engaged in since 2015. You know, we're singularly in California. Uh, the question being, is that intentional and are we only interested in staying in California and why, if so, um, or was there a reason why we've only been in California thus far and we're, we're exploring, preparing to test potentially going outside of California? Yeah, de definitely open to going outside of California. We've evaluated opportunities outside of California and Chicago and Texas before different places. Um, but we are also, um, pretty, I'll say careful to make sure we are moving at a pace that is healthy and, and 
sustainable to the sustainability right. question, but, um, but definitely open to those types of opportunities. Yeah. Um, and we, we just don't know what will present and when, um, you know, I, I imagine the further we go, the better that we get at this, the more we understand it, right. the more opportunities will present. Um, one of the powerful things that we've done, um, and this was intentional, was we've we've built a really great reputation with the churches that we've merged with. Yes. And that reputation has um, spread amongst the, I guess, the, the community of pastors. Yes. Um, and that, and that's a good thing because that opens up more opportunity. We work very hard mm-hmm. to honor the communities that we merge with and the staff that are there and the pastors that are there. Um, so I believe that intentionality will yeah. open up more opportunity. Um, sometimes we feel like we have more opportunity than we can even right. deal with. Drinking from a fire Drink, hose. Right. Um, and, and different kinds of opportunities. Opportunities outside of the state. Um, I also have this... Um, and, and, uh, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for mentioning it, but I also have this notion that one day we might do a regional merge where there's, we've actually, there was a time when we were actually talking to, um, some folks down in San Diego, um, and there was three or four churches involved, three or four campuses involved. Um, or you could look, consider a denomination that's looking at a region and saying, Hey, we've got five churches in this region they're all struggling a little bit, but yeah. we believe if we took all five of them and maybe we need to sell one of them that was in a location that worked 50 years ago, but not now, Right. we want to sell one of them. We're going to add another one. We're going to redraw the map in this region and merge all of it into a church like Sandals that can now put the vision and mission in. Yeah. Um, that's a type of merger that I, I wonder and believe might come along in yeah. time as well. Um, we, we go as fast as God goes. You know, I, um, I, I heard a long time ago that if you get ahead of your economic model, you've gotten ahead of God. Mm. Um, and I've kind of held on to that I for years that. now. Um, and the further we've gone, the more God has opened up to yes. us. Yes. Um, and I believe he'll continue to open more up uh, inside California, outside California, different types of mergers, different types of um, opportunities, but we'll, we'll see as the Lord leads at That's his right. pace. <laughs> yeah. And Brian, I, I, I really appreciate your time today and, and just jumping into some questions that we did not discuss ahead of time and prepare <laughs> yeah. for. Um, that always seems to be a little bit more fun that way. Uh, and I just want to let you know, you know, as you've listened, if you have questions for Brian around the sustainability of our current model or what it looks like to explore other models, uh, when it comes to, to, uh, growing as, uh, in locations as, as a church that's uh, expanding its borders, you can just go to rogofoundation.com either through our podcast uh, page or just go to the website and you can reach out to us there. You can send your questions through. Let us know that this question is for Brian. I'll make sure to route those to him. Maybe in a future episode, if Brian is willing to grace me with a third <laughs> uh, interview opportunity, we can tackle those down the road. But I want to encourage you um, to, to consider engaging in, in one or all of these three ways. Um, with the work that we're engaged in, the most powerful thing that anyone can do is pray. And so the most important thing that I want to ask is, would, would you would you purpose to pray for what God is doing through Sandals Church and the Rogo Foundation? Whether you set a reminder on your phone to do it once a month or what, you know, write a note, stick it on the fridge. W- would you pray for us, pray for our leadership and pray for God's continued blessing on our efforts? 
Uh, number two is connecting. We're working very hard to raise the awareness of what God is doing through Sandals Church and Orogo Foundation. And you may know members of, leaders of a church in your community that is in a difficult season. And it's our heart to come alongside these individuals, these church leaders, to help them get back to a place of health where they are thriving in the community where God has called them to do ministry. And we would love to see them get healthy, but maybe perhaps what, what God intends is for us to begin to have a conversation that leads to what would it look like to come together as one. So would you consider who you know that should know about the work and ministry of the Rogo Foundation? And would you share our website with them and encourage them to reach out to us if they feel that it's something that God is inviting them to? And last, if you love what you've heard today, uh, I want to invite you to both subscribe to this podcast, to like it, but also to prayerfully consider giving a gift to support the work and ministry of the Rogo Foundation. You can learn about how to do that by visiting rogofoundation.com and clicking on the support tab. Hope that you have a wonderful day. God bless you.